Hello. Welcome back to Six Fifths. I'm Stan. I'm Everett. Today we're going to talk about something timely. Oh yes, very timely. And in a way, timeless as well. (laughs) I suppose. Yeah, so as some of you who keep up with MIT News might have heard about well you or if you live here yeah must have heard about um a couple weeks ago there was an undergraduate student who committed suicide at mit and then um less than a week later a second um under a student who had left mit and she was a freshman here um also committed suicide at home and this prompt this prompted a lot of discussion about mental health at the institute and so we're going to spend some time musing about that today. Yes, um, the yearly discussion about MIT's mental health. Yeah. Um, so we'll we'll talk about that some more. But first, like some statistics, right? Yeah. So we're going to nail down um, some facts straight from the get go. Mm-hmm. Um, well, yeah. Okay. We'll talk. We'll talk more about stuff as it goes on. Uh, but. As the Boston Globe has reported and other news outlets have said, there have been eight deaths at MIT in the past year um, among students, um, grad, uh, undergrad and graduate students, and even one faculty member. Uh, five of these were suicides. Three of them were not. Um, mm-hmm. Including the professor. The yes. The professor was a suicide. Unf- unfortunately, that did happen. That was actually really, really sad. What was the professor's name? Seth Teller. Seth Teller. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That, was, that was really unfortunate. He had a long life ahead of him. And... The suicide rate over the past decade for for MIT. So this this comes to the Boston Globe article um, that was posted a couple days ago. Um, it's like March twentieth right now, and it's posted on March seventeenth. So pretty recent. Um, over the last decade at MIT, it's been ten point two out of a hundred thousand students, um, and it's normalized kind of weirdly. We've had one hundred twenty thousand students over the past ten years, and the national average. The Boston Globe does have a little bit of discrepancy in reporting this, but we think the most reliable number is one that's in a different article, and that is 11.6 per 100,000 college-age students. Yes. So, um, this sounds a little lower than the average. And and this isn't surprising for reasons that we will discuss later. Mm -hmm. Um, And, in fact, given, like, the sort of uh, infamy of depression at MIT and the sort of uh, pretty extreme measures that MIT will sometimes go to to, like, help take care of that reputation. And I, I use that phrasing in a specific way. Um, you'd expect it to be lower, maybe, like, way lower than that. Um, but we'll, we'll get to that later. Yeah. First, we should talk about how, how did people respond to this, right? Yeah. Um, so there have been a bunch of things that happened. If you've been on campus, you've probably seen um, mm-hmm. the post the posters from, like, dorms to dorms um, being given um, to support them. Um, there has been news coverage about it. Um, the tech has done um, just some baseline fact covering, um, which people got mad at them about. Um, really? Could you, yeah. could you explain that? I, I didn't hear about that. Yeah, um, essentially, because I'm on the text mailing list, uh, but this is public acknowledge there was a in the comment section even for these articles there was a large kerfuffle about the fact that they reported this as a suicide really yeah wait which one um the first the first guy um matthew Nerig. ah yeah. yes yeah the the um the first student who who died is, is that under debate or is that just from from a layperson standpoint it is a debate from a journalist standpoint this is not a well, debate. what i'm saying what i'm saying legitimately is it under debate <laughs> like not like i don't really care about people in the comments but rather like is from the facts is this a debate is it a debate that he committed suicide or yes. is it no okay yeah i mean like 
how did he die basically is the, is the question here like is it something that you know could be like eh, like he fell off a building like that could have happened accidentally or is it something like no he definitely killed it's himself. pretty it's the from the way things look it's pretty uh oh i see yeah so so yeah uh, there was there was a kerfuffle and people sent us emails about the fact that they didn't like the fact that we we reported it as a suicide like use the specific word suicide rather than passed away Uh, um, like I think took their own life and probably suicide so it wouldn't be that Mm. Um, but honestly the um, the Associated Press uh, the AP style guidelines uh, that Mm -hmm. we use expressly say that you should say suicide uh, as opposed as opposed to as opposed to any other euphemism for death, and right. I think that um, something they something they came up um, that some of the um, editors were talking about it. Something they came up was that um, they also um, were, they were just talking about how we should report in the future and um, how we should follow up on because when you when uh, when a death first happens, um, it's not you you don't say explicitly what the cause of death is most of the time right. um, because their death certificate is still pending. Yes. Right? And so we they were talking we were talking about how to follow up on deaths when we actually get the death certificate back, right. and um, and there's a dangerous precedent that kind of came up, which is that because people feel bad about it and it's unpleasant news, we should not <laughs> give it to them because of the way because of the oh, backlash we've gotten God. here. And I, while I while I think that you, th- there's a weird balance that you have to strike as a community newspaper yes. um, about that that you don't actually want to piss off your target audience because then you lose your readership, right? Um, or make. Or make I mean, really I, I think yeah. that delivering unpleasant news is not the same thing as pissing people off. Yeah, I think that like people will be like offended by this but i don't think it will actually affect how much like they will read the tech yeah especially because the tech has a special like position as a student newspaper yeah, exactly. we sort of have like a relative like mm-hmm. hegemony over it, like yeah. any other kind of news outlet because like there can only be one student newspaper really yeah um yeah my i i honestly i honestly think that the tech did a very good job at just reporting the facts um mm-hmm. they're my, they, I don't know if they're working on an obituary or not, but if they are, that is very different from the story that they reported, which was just that this happened. You need to know. Yeah, and I think there's nothing wrong with that, but mm-hmm. some people did had a huge problem with this, and mm-hmm. I under, I understand that when people are feeling sad. I mean, can you can you explain too. in more detail like what 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 was the nature of these criticisms? Like did the they... nature of the the nature of the criticism. The nature, well the the biggest one was that the article wasn't an obituary. Hmm. Which it was never supposed to be. Well, that's you know that's not something that you can like. Really... Yeah, well, yeah. One of the one of the one of the big ones was that was that, and the second one was that we use the term suicide. I mean, yeah. I mean, what? So, so what? What I'm getting at is like, what? What was the problem with using the term suicide? Was it that? Oh, it's not sensitive enough to the family of the whatever, or like, um, maybe they wanted to keep this secret, which is like dumb because for other reasons yeah. having to do with freedom of the press but yeah so well by the time anything gets to us by the time the email from the mit president goes out the family already knows yeah yeah like the family would not have you the president would not have sent out the email without notifying the family first so that's not a thing oh well, absolutely yeah right mm-hmm. um it's just that you know like other people might you know not know this or be thinking about that yeah um I mean, I'm just I'm just confused because it seems strange to me that people would complain about this at all. Yeah, um, it was it was it was strange. It was strange to me. Um, I can't really blame people for being sad and wanting to say something to 
you know, the newspaper, yeah. all that. Um, but we really are just doing our job, so please don't hate us. I mean, the thing, yeah. the the more important thing is that like unpleasant things, like mm-hmm. you really can't not think about them. That right. is like not how you make progress at dealing with those unpleasant. Yeah, things. I agree, and that's that's kind of like why we're sitting around talking about this. Is that MIT kind of has a history of not talking about these yeah. things unless they absolutely mm-hmm. have to which um, which they have to when these things happen yeah yeah uh what about other stuff more specific like more personal reflections maybe like yeah did you see yeah i've seen several personal reflections um there was one girl who wrote something um ab- not about the current situation but how she felt when her friend when she had a friend who was um who was th- who was um thinking about committing suicide oh. and how she got him help and that was and that was really good he then and then um it was actually a really nice story um, I see yeah it was on Medium and one of my friends posted and she knew the she knew um the um the the young girl who committed suicide um mm-hmm. more recently and um and then there was an admissions blog post aha. Uh-huh. I didn't like that post. Really, I haven't read it. Um, so this emissions this emissions blog post, um, I don't remember exactly who wrote it, um, but it got it, it, the title of it was "Is MIT Too Hard?" Oh, oh dear. Yeah, and it was posted by um, the blogger is currently not a student; he's working at Apple. I see on a co on a co op. Oh um, dear. So taking a semester off to oh, do that. Dear. And um, I didn't like this post, um, mostly because of the the sense of like I don't I don't even, it's, it's hard it's hard it's hard for me to describe it. He he quote he quoted once that um, that MIT is like running a marathon, and that like you can't run it like you, normal people can't run a marathon into sprint, but marathon runner but marathon runners do, and that that's not even true. Marathon runners who win marathons Lons. run marathons <laughs> at a sprint. Yeah, yeah, but um, but the he was he was saying that essentially it was training you for the real world to take it at the to take MIT at the breakneck pace um, that it pushes you at, and that it's good for you and you'll come out better at the other end. That people think it's bad, but it gets better, and that's not really what. That doesn't capture everybody's situation, like, at all. Right. I mean, like, well, he says here, I'm looking at it right now, is that, Mm -hmm. you know, it's about, like, enormous aerobic capacity allowing them to run at blazing speeds for long, sustained periods. And it's kind of like, well, the issue is that, like, not everybody is even capable of getting to the point where you can do that. Yeah, and also, you don't run a marathon without training for a marathon. Right. And I think some people do get thrown into MIT, and it's almost like being asked to run a marathon without training for some people. And that's... What are you going to do when that happens? I mean, never mind the fact that, like, again, you don't have to win. Yeah. Like, you don't have to be a world-class marathon runner to get into MIT. Right. Um... And I mean, like, maybe, you know, some people say, say, well, maybe you should be, but that's beside the case, right? Yeah. Um, the fact is that, like, there are lots of people who get into MIT and, like, they don't know calculus, for example. Right. That's why we have 1801, right. um, which is the intro calculus class, single variable calculus. And, like, a lot of people have said, like, we should not have that class, actually, because only 10% of people take them. Mm. And this is, like, a larger discussion, right, of whether, like, MIT should ta- accept this type of person or whatever, or whether MIT should be harder or something like that. But the fact is that MIT is what it is right now. Right. Um, and we have to deal with uh, the people that are here, 
right? Mm-hmm. Have to deal with how MIT is. Right. Right? Yeah. Yeah, so over overall while i know that article was written in like uh, i mean this is a uh, yeah so yeah this is a guy who works at apple mm-hmm. and he's like yeah you know like i worked 75 hours last week and it's like it's kind of strange because american work week is 40 hours right mm-hmm. the the normal ideal work week is 40 hours mm-hmm and people call Americans crazy for working 40 hours a week, Yeah, right? Yeah. Like, that's not the, the typical work week in, like, say, Europe, where it's, like, 35 to 30, mm-hmm. right? And they have more off days and things like that. Right. So this is a 40-hour work week, mind you. Mm-hmm. This person is talking about working 75 hours. Mm-hmm. This guy is talking about working 75 hours. And, you know, something like, you know, he's like, oh, I'm so proud, you know, that I've managed to put in the hours while getting the most sleep and eating the healthiest and exercising the most, right? Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like, well... Is it really a thing that at MIT we want to train people to work 80 hours a week? I don't think you should train anyone to work 80 hours a week. I think you should train people to have work-life balance. Like, I mean, yeah. you can have a balance, right? So so the thing is that you can have a balance and have it yeah. be, you know, like, consistent and still work a whole lot. It just means that, like, you don't really have much of life on the side of the balance, yeah. right? So, like, a real question to ask is, like, is it really, like, something that we should do at MIT to like force people to work so much on like their problem sets and things like that. And then like the other question is like, do people actually spend that much time working at MIT versus being stressed out? Right. Yeah. Is it necessary for people to spend as much time working? Perhaps the fact that people sleep really poorly, Mm -hmm. that MIT has a really poor, like sort of like clock. Yeah. Like circadian rhythm, as it were. We talked about that a couple episodes ago. Does the fact that MIT goes to bed so late, um, and then people are chronically sleep deprived. Does that make people like work less efficiently? Um, does that mean that like people spend lots of hours working at MIT mm-hmm. because they're just less efficient because they don't get as much sleep? I think scientifically, you would say that they have to not be working at peak efficiency if you are um, staying up that late, right? And, do- and doing everything. Um, yeah, but I mean, I'm I'm so I am not an undergrad anymore, and I don't work. 40, I mean, I don't work 40 hours a week, but I also don't work 80 hours a week. I normally work, like, maybe um, 50, but my days go in and out. And, like, I'm a biologist. Like, a lot of my stuff, you do end up putting in extra time because you have to wait for certain things to happen or mm-hmm. this just this is going to take time because, because biology, because your cells said so right. kind of thing. And, yeah, I go on a weekend sometimes because these cells double really fast and I have to um, change them or else they're going to die kind of yeah. thing and but i don't i modulate my work as such that it is manageable for me to have other things to do like this podcast outside of my work and my boss completely supports that i was trying to push a project through earlier like this week and she was kind of like oh yeah you could do it next week it's not a big deal if you have things to do people understand this right right mm-hmm. yeah and i mean like the the thing is that um yeah, the world is actually generally not that unaccepting of people needing time off or people needing accommodations. Right. People always tell you, you know, in the real world, you know, like people, you know, will fire you if you have to be absent at work. And like this is only really true well, this is true actually for most people who are not fortunate enough to go to a place like MIT who, you know, aren't in the middle class. If you're in the working class, people actually will fire you. 
for yeah. not for like not going to work unexpectedly. Yeah. But like look, the fact is that we are like generally pretty lucky in the sense that we are able to get jobs where like it's fine if you can't go to work one day. Right. Right. But yet at the same time it seems to be like the thing that jobs don't want you to do that. They want you to work like eighty hours a week. They mm. want you to be in work as much as possible. They want you to live at work. Some of this, an interesting thing that I just thought of is that this guy is like in Apple in California, Northern California, Silicon Valley. Mm -hmm. Um, Startup culture is definitely an influence like here Um, because, you know, this kind of the glorified entrepreneurship thing. I mean, MIT is is one of the, probably like one of the few centers on the East Coast of like that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, Most of it being, you know, very West Coast, like Stanford. Like MIT is still like very active in that mm-hmm. um and in fact i've heard some stuff about like new york actually attempting to uh try to become a sort of startup place which will be interesting to see mm-hmm. in the future yeah um but my my point is also that like uh there's a substantial amount of research that shows that like in a lot of situations people who take their work to home and worry about it and do things with it at home you have substantially reduced sleep reduced mm-hmm. mental health right generally everything is worse um, being able to really effectively like make a cutoff between this is work time, this is like I'm gonna do whatever time. I'm not mm-hmm. going to worry about work when I'm you know not working. Right. Um, that kind of thing is extremely extremely important for someone's mental health. Yes, it is. Um, and MIT does not encourage this at all. You're always worrying about problem sets. You're always mm-hmm. worrying about work. You're always worrying about responsibilities that you have. And considering that you know. Again, like, MIT is, like, not the best at dealing with mental health. And, mm-hmm. I mean, colleges generally aren't the best at dealing with mental health, so yeah. this is no surprise. Um, it's really concerning that MIT also very much, like, glorifies having your work be your life. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of – it's look – I think that the type of person who's going to come to MIT is going to be the kind of person who really wants their work to be their life because, you know, there's a thing that they really like and they like it a whole lot, right? Like, a lot of people at MIT are like that. A lot of people are not. Yeah, I, I, wouldn't, I would actually say that I wouldn't necessarily say that uh, being passionate about something is, like, wanting your work to be your life. I think it's something that you kind of, that people, because they have a tendency to go all in on something, mm-hmm. it is something that people kind of get roped into. Right. More so. Right. Than started off with, I want to be a workaholic. I mean, I didn't show up here wanting to say, I want to spend all day working on homework. It's like, no. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, I mean, well, there's a difference between wanting your work to be your life and spending all day on homework because, you know, not all of your homework has to do with, like, what you view as your work, right? Yeah, that's true. Yeah. But, no, I, I think that, like, it's important to recognize that, look, people at MIT, some people at MIT just want a damn job. They come mm-hmm. here, they get a degree in, I don't care, engineering, and then they go get a job, and it's a job. Mm-hmm. That's it. They don't want to spend, like, 70 hours working on, like, something that will ultimately get them a job. Right. Right? And mm-hmm. this is okay. <laughs> Like, yeah, it's fine. that's okay. It's, that's why most people go to college. Right? Yeah. And um, so so is it really realistic to be sort of like, you know, oh, you know, misery builds, you know, character, which is ultimately what this is MIT too hard sort of argument is about, like misery yeah. is building your character. And, you know, you should suffer now so you can be better later. And it's like, no, because most people aren't going to leave MIT and then work 75 hours a week. Yeah, no. Like... Most people aren't going to leave MIT and then, you know, mm-hmm. 
uh, get some sort of job that becomes their life. They're just like, I'm here to get a job. Mm-hmm. I'm here so that I can make money and have a comfortable life. Yeah. I don't want to change. And th- this is the thing is that like a lot of people at MIT, they don't want to change the world. They don't give a shit. Like, like not, not in the sense of like, you know, fuck the world. I just want a lot of money, but like, I don't care. Nor well, do I like, really think that it's something yeah. that like I personally want to do. Right. So like, yeah. whatever. I mean, right? I, I know that like, we're, we're not disparaging those people out there who do want to like do the next big thing and all sure, that. Sure. And you know, I, you, it's okay to have ambition. It's not yeah, okay. It's not like it, bad. It's, it's, it's not okay to throw your mental and physical health by the wayside for ambition. Well, when you, when you put it that way, you make it sound a little bad. <laughs> like, but I mean, it, it, that just, I'm just saying that you should care about yourself, right? You should, you actually should take time to like, have have a have a decent like you know mental state and phys- and physical state and MIT doesn't really um, support doing that because we have off because we tend to do things at off hours all the time mm-hmm. and we're working we're working a lot and 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 um and something that we kind of mentioned we were talking about um before the podcast was that there is like a base the baseline level of happiness. <laughs> Is actually what I think a lot of people would consider some like mild depression. Yeah, like yeah. people are generally pretty unhappy about things. It's like sort of a joke. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember reading. So there was a UPenn, I think, University of Pennsylvania, yeah, Ivy League school. Uh, they had like something like six suicides in one year. Yeah, yeah a couple, year or two ago, mm-hmm. and it was a really big deal. Mm-hmm. And uh, there was this like meme of like the pin face, where mm-hmm. like. The idea was like it was sort of like ironically openly acknowledged that you would just lie to people about how you were doing all the time. Like you would feel like, you know, your world was falling apart, but, you know, fucking deal with it because everybody feels that way. So you just, you know, everything's fine, whatever, because everybody is unhappy. Right. And so like the view is kind of like, you know, it's normal to be unhappy. Mm -hmm. It's fine if you're a little depressed because, I mean, everybody else is depressed, too. So, you know, fucking get over it. Mm -hmm. Right. Is, Is kind of the thing. So, um. It's it's really strange MIT's relationship with depression. Um, I mean, I think it's like good at least that people acknowledge that depression is a thing at MIT. Yeah, and that you know there's discussion about how to deal with it. Yeah, um, and there's at least you know some constructive realization that look depression exists and like people get depressed, right? Right. Like, um, I mean, I don't really feel like there's the the problem is that of course depression is is still generally dealt with like a you know a short-term problem like oh you'll graduate from MIT and like, you won't be depressed anymore yeah or um which i think know, the the framework of that is actually problematic right yeah, the fact absolutely. that you will be, the fact that depression is a temporary thing that you will only experience here all you have to do is get through graduation or even you know better. get through this semester or yeah. you know get through this this uh this week or these, these sets of midterms get and you'll feel sick. all better get on sick it's yeah like, it keeps going yeah right mm-hmm. And um, the problem, of course, is that, like, for a lot of people, depression actually isn't something right. that is temporary. Like, there is there is a difference between the mood depression, right, and major depressive disorder, which right. causes you to be in the mood of depression much more often than you ought to be, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Right. And that's not really actually recognized as much as MIT as you would think it would be. In fact, maybe it's, like, a problem because, like, you know, major depressive disorder just happens even if you're doing well, mm-hmm. right? Right. And 
people don't really talk about that in MIT. Like, rather they say, like, you know, oh, if it looks like someone is doing well, they may not actually be doing well. You don't know, right? Mm -hmm. But it could be that somebody is actually for real doing well, right, in any, like, Mm -hmm. regard sense that you might consider doing well and they still feel depressed. Right. Like, what do you do then? Yeah. And there's not really a lot of discussion about that. Yeah. Um, Plus, like, we congratulate ourselves a lot for, like, dealing with, like, uh, depression and things like that. But the problem is that, like, people actually don't even know what depression is here. Yeah, Um, we have a skewed view of it that is closer to just depression the mood rather than... I mean, not even that, because, like, being depressed, um, there there are lots of things that are, like, not what you would expect from depression. Like, Mm -hmm. there's a certain stereotypical view of what depression is that Mm -hmm. it is not. Right. right? Like, the view that, you know, like, you're laying in bed all day you can't motivate yourself to do anything like to the point where you're laying in bed all day what's the point oh, i should kill myself like that that kind of thing mm-hmm. um you're crying all the time or something like that but people especially dudes actually um can react in ways that are like non-typical and i'm right. using finger quotes here to mm-hmm. qualify heavily like for example people who are depressed can be very irritable instead of being very sad mm-hmm. um so they can be giant dicks to people yeah actually um you can be like very irritable things will piss you off for no reason um you can be like sort of like just very emotionally labile like you know like you can do something that normally would just annoy the person a little bit and they can just like fly off the handle at you Mm -hmm. um you know and and lack of motivation like sort of manifests in a lot more different ways than just you know than just inaction yeah right Mm -hmm. like you could and, and that's another thing right is that like if everybody at MIT is, like, a little, you know, depressed or depression is such a common thing and people work so long, again, there might be a connection there because, like, when you're depressed, it just takes longer to do work because you cannot focus as well. Yeah. Like, not even, like, the whole, like, external, like, I don't feel like doing this, but, like, sitting down and doing a thing just takes longer if you're depressed. That's true. It's harder to focus. Your mm-hmm. mind wanders a lot more. Um, there's this thing called rumination that people who are depressed tend to do where you tend to think over and over about, times you failed or things that embarrass you or Mm -hmm. things you're ashamed of and they make you feel worse right and that can get in the way of doing your work too right um and again we don't we don't talk about that right right um and even if we do there's a sort of sense that like you know we go to an event and we talk about it and then it stops being real after the event is over yeah there's there are the little outcroppings of effort i think mrt has actually gotten better about this yes in the last couple years especially um not so this really started becoming a thing i believe when i was about a sophomore really um, more 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 frequently i didn't really see all these events that tend to happen that promote it more when i was a freshman as much mm-hmm. um and it's gotten it's gotten better over the years but i still think it's it's not enough it's yeah. it's a step it's a step in the right direction Yes. Yeah. Which, again, like, to put this in perspective, right, mm-hmm. um, I kind of want to make it clear, like, I have trouble with mental health, and, like, I'll bring this up, like, soon. But I want to make it clear that I'm, though I am not really satisfied the way MIT does things, and I'm not, like, buying into sort of the self-congratulation that is going on mm-hmm. all the time, um, MIT is still legitimately probably better than most places about this stuff. I think we're certainly better than, like, the traditional Ivy League schools are Mm -hmm. about recognizing these kinds of things for various reasons. Mm -hmm. Um, I just want to make that clear because it's it's not, you know, as if we're saying, like, never come to MIT. 
you know, like you'll get depressed and then no one will listen to you and then, you know, you'll kill yourself or something like that's not going to happen. No, no, we're not not saying that at all. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. um, sorry, go on. You were, you were talking. So, well, I think the other point I wanted to bring up, which is kind of something you've been, um, getting out a little bit is that, um, depression is not the only like form of mental health prob- problem you can have. And these also don't get talked about a lot. Um, pretty much the only thing that you see about at these um, at these whole mental health like things and initiatives is is centered around depression. Yeah, and there are other problems people go through that are basically not supported much at all. Yes. Yeah. So I mean, there's you know the big ones. So bipolar disorder, mm-hmm. um, schizophrenia. Nobody talks about that. Yeah. Nobody talks about schizophrenia at MIT. Yeah. You would think that there's nobody with schizophrenia at MIT. And maybe that's actually the case because MIT is known to kick out people that they think are, like, threats. Mm-hmm. Um, this is, like, a thing. Um, like, there is, you know, generally... So, here's how it works. When you go to student support services or MIT mental health, you go talk to them about a problem that you have. And if you tell them, or if you indicate that you are, you might be suicidal. As like a, And it's, like, a very serious thing, right? Yeah. Like, you might actually kill yourself soon. Like, like this, this is this is yeah. What they do mm-hmm. is they tend to call in people who will then take you to a mental health institution and just keep you there, mm-hmm. and you know they will force you to leave, as in they will force you to sign a contract for a voluntary medical withdrawal. If you don't sign the contract, you will get an involuntary medical withdrawal, which means you can never come back essentially, mm-hmm. um, because it, again, like readmissions is run by MIT, and if you get a voluntary medical involuntary medical withdrawal, it's probably impossible for you to come back. I mean, I don't know the actual rates, but, like, the general understanding is that if you don't sign this thing and we have to kick you out, we're not going to take you back. We, we know people who have I mean, been put in I mean, I personally have yeah. been through this process. Mm-hmm. Um, I took a voluntary medical withdrawal about a year ago, and, you know, this is my second semester back. And it was because I was depressed. Um, and there, there came a time where I just, like, wasn't – it's been a week doing nothing like literally just doing nothing and I was kind of like wow if I don't do something about this I'm gonna fail all my classes mm-hmm. and I talked to people and it became apparent that it was probably the best choice for me to leave for a while um and I talked to them and there was this sort of like underlying thing where they were like yeah it sounds like you should leave you know and we get you you know and you sign a form and you don't really sign a form like physically but you you have a discussion and there's like you know legalistic thing you go through and there's a sort of, like, thing there, unspoken, that it sounds like you should leave. And if you decide not to leave and we decide that, you know, you should leave anyway, we'll kick you out. And uh, if we kick you out, and I, I asked about this because readmission is not guaranteed, mm-hmm. right? Uh, yeah. You apply for readmission. If we kick you out, then you're probably not going to come back. And this was, this was a sort of underlying thing mm-hmm. that that they were discussing here if we kick you out and we know it's related to mental illness probably not going to come back and we know people both of us who uh have come to mental health and they say you know i have this issue or like something happened that indicated that maybe they had a mental health yes. problem or something like uh-huh. that and then mit just kidnapped them i mean basically that's what happened like mm-hmm. they disappeared we didn't know where they went they didn't right. have any way to contact people uh-huh. and they were in a mental institution for days yeah. And they couldn't leave. Mm-hmm. They were not allowed to leave. And while there, they were forced to sign a thing that told them that they were, you know, going to leave. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were gone. And then they came back. Mm-hmm. And um, 
I want to say that, like, if you have a mental health problem that isn't, I really seriously think I'm going to kill myself right now or, like, in the next week or two, they're probably not going to do this, um, which is important because you shouldn't think that this that you should never go to medical that or mental mm-hmm. health that, you know, like, at any point in time they could decide to kick you out. This is very unlikely. They really only do it to cover their own asses, and I'm pretty sure they don't like that they're forced to do this by administration. They don't. They, I've we've talked to some of them at the tech, and they they really don't. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. it's not a thing that they enjoy mm-hmm. having to do. So don't get mad at mental health. Um, don't think that you know because you're going through like issues that are transitory. Like you know, I think that like probably the majority of people who go through depression issues at MIT probably it is right something that will clear up once you graduate, maybe. And mm-hmm. like adopt healthier habits if you do, um, like don't don't mm-hmm. don't feel afraid to like go go talk to people at mental health yeah. just because of this. But if you have, but it is a thing to be realistic about. Think about very seriously. If you're having really serious issues with mm-hmm. like suicidal thoughts, you might want to look elsewhere in mental health to get help. And that's sad that I feel like I have to say that, but like it is a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, Moreover, uh, there's other things, right? Like I mentioned bipolar disorder. I mentioned schizophrenia, which is another thing I imagine, like, if MIT finds out you have schizophrenia, you're probably gone until you can demonstrate that you, like, are taking medication that is completely stabilizing you forever, which (laughs) antipsychotics are not nice medications. Um, They are not. It's it's really hard to get to a position where you can say that you are stable forever on them. Yeah, this is, uh, as, as someone who studied neuroscience, read a lot of, like, scientific cases as well as just like read a lot of literature that people post on the internet stuff about this stuff it is it's it's a beast yeah yeah to say the least yeah and yeah. you know then there are other things that MIT is like not very good at handling so for example uh, chronic pain chronic pain yes. right which is not a mental health disorder but I think deserves like a discussion here because nobody really talks about it mm-hmm. right like there are plenty of people in their 20s who have all sorts of disorders that cause like chronic pain, like mm. endometriosis, yeah, uh, just like fibromyalgia and things like that. But yeah. you could also, you know, like have I don't know, like mm-hmm. any any kind of thing, right? Right. Like, and it can cause chronic pain, mm-hmm. and you, it's a very difficult thing to deal with, right? And the workload at MIT is so ridiculous that um, it's kind of hard to like figure out how you're going to like deal with that and also like have, deal with the chronic pain. And a lot of people just yeah. leave. And I'm not really sure if that's, like, the best thing to do. But yeah, I feel like, you know, it's sort of like a shout-out because people think, right. like, oh, you're young. That doesn't happen to anybody. And yeah, like, no, no. Like, what of my I, – I talk to everyone about this a lot. Um, one of my really good friends has endometriosis, and she's gone through a lot. And she um, she's about to graduate this year, but she started when I was a freshman. So she took an extra year and mm, – uh, sporadic time off in in between um in between the time she was here because she was in so much pain that she literally couldn't do anything right and um she tells me stories about how some professors handled it really well she was talking about um how um when she was taking one class that uh that that she had a test in the class and um she um but she ended up missing it because she was in pain and then mm-hmm. talked to the professor mm-hmm. and the professor was like you can come to my office for a makeup but um but because um endometriosis um because you end up with a lot of lower back pain or at least she did mm-hmm. um it was hard for her to sit in like the chairs oh. um and the and the professor did something cool which was that i am going to leave the test in a folder outside my door take it Take it, go somewhere comfortable, and bring it back in two hours. I mean, yeah, yeah, and, that's really cool. Of course, yeah. like you know, there there are issues with that kind of thing, right? There, there are, right? Yeah. So, mm-hmm. um, 
but that is really cool. That's very understanding of that professor. Yeah. Um, so it, but the thing is that like, uh, so there's a couple of things that I deal with personally. So I'm going to talk about them maybe in a little more detail, but mm-hmm. there's also like uh, ADHD, attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. Right. And then like mm-hmm. also like sleeping problems as in like circadian rhythm disorders or just like massive, massive personal issues with sleeping. Right. And mm-hmm. uh, ADHD tends to correlate very heavily with those. Right. Uh, so naturally I have both ADHD and like huge problems with managing my sleep. I mm-hmm. don't know if it constitutes a disorder or whatever, but like I con- am constantly dealing with this. And ADHD is a little interesting because uh, so symptoms of that, right? Like things like not fo- having trouble focusing or concentrating, you know, things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, generally ha- being like somewhat impulsive uh, for your age, it's very important to note that that is a very comparative thing um, because, uh, you know, ADHD is a lifelong thing. You don't get it. You have it your whole life. Mm-hmm. And children are impulsive. Children have problems focusing. This is a thing it's with part, children. Yeah, like, it's part of being a child. And there there was there was a thing, I think it's, it's still a thing, that, like, um, more and more children are being misdiagnosed with ADHD. Uh, so yeah. I think the general impression is that there is – two big uh big demographics of adhd to think about in this so there's like men or should i say boys Mm -hmm. right boys people who are minorities um things like that the people who uh are disruptive in class right thought Mm -hmm. of more easily as that these people are generally overdiagnosed uh-huh and then there are girls um Mm -hmm. people i mean mostly mostly girls but just like smart kids right mm-hmm. uh and things like that and these people are underdiagnosed mm-hmm. because they're doing well in class like the general impression that people get of someone with adhd is like someone with adhd especially when they're in school they're doing terribly in classes mm-hmm. they do horrible in classes and they're always disruptive that's not the case because adhd is, is an attention problem and an impulsivity problem right and right. you can have more problems with one than the other uh-huh. um like i have many more problems with attention and then I do, like, impulsivity. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, when I was younger, I destroyed school effortlessly. It was very easy. Yeah. Um, because I hardly went to anything that, like, challenged me. Mm-hmm. Um, I hit a huge bump when homework started actually being a thing. Um, <laughs> when you and, actually had to try. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. you know, I had projects to do at home. And I actually did fail a grade and was provisionally promoted. Um, but after that, like, I, I figured out what I had to do to get by without like failing and i like with great difficulty i managed to like do projects at home and things like that Mm -hmm. and you know i never went to a therapist or anything even though it was like clear that i was having problems because again i was doing great in classes there was no reason to go to a therapist or anything like that Mm -hmm. you know uh so it's a lifelong thing and um it's very comparative like in in nature and people can have the, the makeup of it can differ from person to person Anyway, like, the point that I'm trying to make is that, like, this gets very little attention at MIT. Um, mm-hmm. Like, nobody really talks about it. I know, like, four or five people with ADHD yeah. at MIT. And, like, mm-hmm. the general impression I get from their attitude is, like, yeah, we're not going to get help from MIT. Like, they don't help us. Like, the only help you get is extensions on exams. Mm-hmm. So you get time and a half. So, like, a 90-minute exam becomes 120 minutes. Yeah. Right? Um, but, of course, you know, that doesn't actually help anyone. Like, I don't have problems with taking tests. Right. Actually, mm-hmm. um, at least for the most part at MIT, like I don't have problems with say running out of time or whatever. Yeah. Right. Um, I mean, I would probably take the extensions anyway because, like, 
I'm still worse with that than like mm-hmm. I think I would be otherwise. Like yeah. than like other people I know. Allow- um, allowing yourself to take the space it's given. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, but like that's not my problem. My problem is I, I miss stuff mm-hmm. because I I have a really poor sleeping schedule. Um, like the ADHD makes you. So there's there's a couple of problems. I think there's like generally it's pretty kind of well understood. There's like a biological like connection between like problems with like going to sleep and ADHD, not like getting in the bed, but like actually falling asleep yeah. and ADHD. Mm-hmm. Like there's like gene polymorphisms and stuff like yeah, that yeah. going on there. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's also like the issue of like, you know, if you're impulsive, like you have problems, like just deciding, okay, it's deciding that you go to sleep. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, especially when there's work to do and you feel bad about not doing the work right? and you still need to do the work or the work is due tomorrow you're <laughs> and right. you kind of feel like you have no choice but to stay up and do the work. Yeah. Um, like all these things come together and make it very, very difficult for me to manage my sleep. Yeah. And it's very difficult to see people about this because most places are open in the morning. If there is a time when I'm least likely to be awake, it is, it is in the, the morning. morning. Mm-hmm. And so like I make appointments and I miss them. And, you know, this happens repeatedly and it's like embarrassing to make appointments with people and to keep missing them. So eventually maybe you give up after a while, right, yeah. making appointments and you're just like, I'm going to deal with this on my own. Walk-ins are always in the morning. Mm. Um, mental health is actually very good about this. Their walk-ins are in the afternoon. Yeah. So I can actually make walk-ins usually. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, they're during class. But like, yeah. Sometimes you just say like, uh, "I'm gonna go for a walk-in because I really need this," and the professor is sometimes understanding. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, well, I think I I I never think that someone should fault themselves for deciding to go to seek help. And, I mean, it's and, not in really in lieu of going to class. It, yeah. The issue is that like sometimes you know like there are grades right, right. at MIT that are based on like going to class. Mm-hmm. So you need to tell the professor, "I'm going to go," you know to right. S cubed or whatever for a walk-in because, you know, I feel like I need this. And maybe the professor is like, well, can't you go another day or something like that, right? Like, this is very important or something like that. Like, yeah. that doesn't usually happen, but, like, you worry about it, right? And yeah, you're you less do. likely to yeah. do those things. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, walk-ins for S cubed are 9 to 10 a.m. Right. And that is, I, I can't do that. I can't do 9 to 10 a.m. Mm-hmm. That is impossible. Yeah. Um. So I... I can't do a walk-in in S cube. Like mm-hmm. it the amount of like I don't have classes also that early, so I I just usually I'm not awake from nine to ten AM. Mm-hmm. Like plus it's like an hour long period, right? Like what if you forget? What if you have another thing to do from nine to ten AM? Right. Right. It it, it it's like not a very forgiving window. And like student disability services, disability services also has a one hour walk in around the same time as like ten to mm. eleven or something like that. Yeah, yeah. And they have one dean, so it's very hard to schedule. Uh yeah. With disability services. As, as opposed to the student sports service sells like eight. Right. Like that, yeah. Like uh-huh. and you can only you can only get the letter for the um for ex, you know like extension from the um, from the, the disability deans. Yeah. Right. So mm-hmm. I, I can't I have not been able, despite trying my hardest to like make it to like a walk in or to, you know, an appointment to that. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, again, it's one Dean, so it's embarrassing to like repeatedly reschedule with them and like yeah. not go. Mm-hmm. Right. And you know, um, it, you, you get stuck in a loop. Right. And it feels like, you know, this wasn't designed for you. Like whatever disabilities like MIT is thinking about, they're not yours. Mm-hmm. Right. They're thinking about physical disabilities, which is like not bad because like there are plenty of people with physical disabilities in MIT mm-hmm. and they, they need accommodations as much as you know, I do. Right. right? Um, but, like, it feels like, you know, 
why did you come here? And I mean, I have talked to people about yeah. this and I have actually gotten this response. Why did you come to MIT if you knew you had a disability? That's just like insensitive. Like if you knew you yeah. had ADHD, mm-hmm. why did you come here? Yeah. Right. And it's kind of like, you know, this sucks. Like what kind of response is that? Mm-hmm. Right. Because I can manage the work. Right. And in fact, I can do the work just fine. Like mm-hmm. I, I have medication and it solves a lot of the problems. It solves. It makes them less bad, <laughs> basically. Yeah. Um, and, you know, with ADHD, you're actually quite lucky because uh, ADHD medication, I think, is less shitty than medication for depression or uh, antipsychotics or something like that. Like, mm-hmm. stimulants are much less bad in terms of, like, enduring side effects mm-hmm. than antidepressants or antipsychotics can be. And, I mean, but I still have problems. They don't mm-hmm. go away. Um, I still have sleeping issues, and in some ways the stimulants make it worse, right? Um and I still have to deal with that. And if it, and like it makes it so that the problem isn't really like I can't do the work. The problem is that I can't go to class. Right. Like I have problems with going to class. And when you make part of my grade going to class, I get fucked over a little bit. Mm-hmm. Because like, look, I would be fine with like, say, having to schedule office hours, right. or maybe talking to the professor or doing extra assignments, right? Yeah. To like make up for that. But like that doesn't exist. Like mm-hmm. people are like, no, too bad. Go to class, you lazy motherfucker. And it's like, it's not because I am lazy. It's because literally I am asleep yeah. in class, mm-hmm. right? Like, or, or like when class is happening, right. right? And like when you're chronically sleep deprived, you don't wake up like normal people do either, right? Yeah, exactly. Like you'll wake up and be half asleep and you'll be like, oh, you can go right. to the person who woke you up and they'll leave, mm-hmm. right? And then you'll go back to sleep right. and you'll wake up like five hours later Sleep. and you won't yeah. even remember that that happened. Yeah, yeah, I, I've I've been in that position before. It feels so weird, yeah. Right, and mm-hmm. I mean this happens to me regularly and yeah. like, Again, like, unfortunately, you know, like, I don't feel like I can really trust people to wake me up anymore because, like, this has happened to me so many times. Right. And when I tell when I tell people, like, look, you have to make sure I get up or out of the bed, they're, they react, you know, like, with confusion. They're kind of like, well, you know, that's not how normal people are, you know, and mm-hmm. I, I get the feeling they suspect I am lying or trying to blame them, right, for, like, my problems or something like that. Right. Right, and I suppose it is legitimately my fault in the cases I ask someone to wake me up. You know, and then that happens that I don't tell them, right? Mm-hmm. That, like, that is how they have to do it right. or I won't wake up. Um, and, I mean, like, you know, I, I don't feel like I can trust people to, like, wake me up anymore because of this, right? And it's partly mm-hmm. because we spoke about this before, too, but our yeah. living group, our fraternity, right. is just poor about sleep in general, I think. Mm-hmm. And um, so a lot of the times when I need to wake up in the morning, no one is awake to wake me up. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, and there's I, there's issues with that too, <laughs> right? Maybe maybe I'm just weird because I interpret waking someone up as making them actually get off off the bed. That's that's a lot that's of people my, don't do that. That's my default. A lot, or or you know like you know like you'll sit up and say like oh you can go now or thank you and they'll be like okay and then leave. Yeah, and that's it. Yeah, no, I'm like get get up off the bed, come here. Yeah, and then and then and now you now you are awake. My job is done. Yeah, um, but. Um, the real reason I kept on talking again because every, every gave a really good story. Um, and, I mean, uh, yeah, but there, uh-huh. you know, like I could go on forever. Yeah, but I think. Yeah, but uh, I just wanna I wanna underscore um, something that came up multiple times was that you feel like you were working within a system that is like not designed for you. Like, yeah, effectively, yeah. this isn't your yeah. place, right? Is kind of the feeling that you get, and you think regularly, I shouldn't have come here. Why did I come here? And it's not because the work is so hard. Right. Like, again, I'm fine with the amount of work. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like, 
right now I'm taking, you know, GIRs and stuff that, you know, I have to catch up on. Mm-hmm. And they're not hard, but the problem is that, uh, like, I'm taking, for example, uh, 802, Physics 2. Right. And that's a TO class, which mm-hmm. is, you know, sort of like in-class learning. And something like 15, 20% of your grade is attendance. And I oversleep the class a lot. I don't go a lot. Mm-hmm. And that's like, you know, 10, 15% of my grade down right. the shitter. Like, so it means that, like, I have no choice but to get a B or a C in the mm-hmm. class. And there's nothing I can do about yeah. it. And, and it's kind of like this yeah. is this is shitty. <laughs> like, and just just the fact that you can say a phrase like that though is kind of to me that's a red flag, right? That that you have a non well. So I'm not actually completely sure about how much of a subset of the student population like this is that have that that this affects, but this is obviously like very important to to some uh, to some people. The number yeah. is four percent. Is the usual 4%. estimate? Yeah, is like. Worldwide, people four yeah. percent of people have ADHD, mm-hmm. um, and of course, it will vary in severity and things like that. Yeah, um, but four percent—that I mean, MIT is what ten thousand students. Yeah, total undergrad and grad. So that's like you know mm-hmm. four hundred people or something yeah. like that. Right. So it's like not yeah not but, small yeah and like just but even including pretty much everything that's not depression um to some to some extent i feel like that a lot of they feel like some of the stories that you said about talking to other people also underscore that point that that like you know mit is not really here to help you and i think that that's yeah really sad like it's i would like i would really like to see mit do something better about about that I mean, it yeah. makes me it makes me think like you know like all the stuff that's going on right now is like very disingenuous. Yeah. Because people are going to forget about it eventually. Right. Right. And I mean, MIT actually takes advantage of this. They know that people will forget about this stuff eventually. Mm-hmm. This is why you only see things like you know they'll call up like there was a thing where they call up a task force or something with the undergraduate administration association or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. When was that? Twenty twelve. It was. It was a couple of years ago. Yeah. They uh, they had like a task force and like they were like, well, yeah, there's like, like eighteen things like you can do to make everything better, and none of them have happened. Yeah, I mean, the, and it's it's yeah it's it's actually one of it's one of those sad things where you you make it you make it an important deal, um, you put it together, it's out there, and then someone will link someone like in an email that I randomly saw, like had linked to it once, but then the, that link just got lost in the rest of the email thread that was about things that completely um, weren't related to it, and that kind of thing is really sad, right? And I mean, like, yeah. it's fine if people weren't really talking about it that much. But yeah. I, I think the the more the thing that we ought to be more worried about is that, like, this is taking advantage of. It's, like, very obviously taking advantage of. Because, mm-hmm. like, some of those things amounted to just give SQ more money. Okay. Give yeah. disability services more, more money. money. Yeah. Have more deans. Right. Have better hours. Uh-huh. And they're not going to do it. Mm-hmm. Why? Because it's just you got to spend more money. And that's it. It really is just like an application of money. Like the deans would be happy to organize that themselves, I think. Yeah. Right? Like, and to like do all the hiring and stuff like that. It's really just an issue of like, we got to spend more money on this. And it's it, that, that kind of thing turns into a negative feedback loop because if the deans are happy enough to do it themselves, but then they don't have enough money to do it, then there's no incentive. And because there's no incentive to increased support it's not a position that people want or seeking out to take so that that atrophies your job pool and you end up that's right. not, not a fun system i mean it's far more profitable to mit to reduce the amount of public insight that people have that this is a problem mm-hmm. to make people feel bad about having problems with it 
Mm-hmm. And I mean, like, look, this stuff does have the effect of making you feel bad, right? Yeah. Treating it as if it were, you know, always like a thing that like, you know, eventually passes makes you feel bad when, you know, it's a thing that you just have. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Like when people are used to seeing mental health as like, you know, like, oh, you'll get over it. Right. Mm-hmm. What happens if you, you know, have a mental health problem? Like if you have a mental illness. Right. right? like ADHD or like major depressive disorder or like bipolar disorder. And that, that's not going to disappear. Like you got, you got that for life. Right. Right. Um, which is a hard enough thing Mm -hmm. to come to terms with. Like what happens when you interact with like a group of people who have been taught that mental health is a bunch of temporary problems. Yeah. Yeah. That's that a lot of people in general, I think this is a thing. Um, this is a thing that's influenced by your by um by where you grew up and all that stuff too. But I think that generally people in our age bracket um don't do a good job at handling other people who have this because yeah. of that reason. I mean, yeah. look, people in any age don't do a good job of this. Like, I mean, I think that uh, if anything, as you get older, people probably get worse <laughs> at dealing with it than better. Um, Among similarly aged peers, yes, yeah. I feel like if you have if you're younger and have parents who have dealt with things like it before or at least have exposed been exposed to it they could be supportive yes yes i i can agree mm-hmm. um but like a lot of people don't yeah. and another thing is that like a lot of people have mental health problems and like don't have the insight to know that these are mental health problems yeah. because they don't know anything Un- about undiagnosed illness is right. definitely definitely a thing most mental illnesses are underreported because that yeah mm-hmm. like uh you know, like, again, like, I've talked to, you know, lots of therapists at this point, and we've talked about, you know, my life uh, prior to coming here, prior to high school, prior to even realizing that maybe I had a problem, and they're kind of like, yeah, judging from your life before, it is really obvious that you, like, have ADHD, mm-hmm. and, like, if you had ever gone to a therapist, they would have probably, like, been immediately on the alert, mm-hmm. but I never did, because I never had the money, my parents never had the money to like on a whim be like oh we're gonna you know take you to a therapist because we know that you have problems like right you know no it would have cost a lot of money and taken a lot of time you know before like even like you know regarding like even if we had thought something was very seriously going on with me if it hadn't been like super negatively affecting my life you know and it wasn't because I was able to get around it Mm -hmm. in high school because you know it just wasn't much of an academic challenge um and like I had my parents to wake me up for things and whatever yeah yeah like it just, you know, was never a thing that I went to a therapist, right? Mm-hmm. Partly because I'm black, and that's another thing, is that black people and therapists don't get along very yeah. well. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, black people are generally mistrusting of uh, medical systems um, for reasons that are both reasonable and not so reasonable. Yeah, um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Not getting into that. Um, mm-hmm. It's just that, like, there can be a lot of situations where just, like, even if you have problems, you've been taught to internalize them, to think that they're things that are inherent to how you are, mm-hmm. rather than like, or rather, in a way, to think that there are things that are your fault. Mm-hmm. Um, not only are they inherent to you and who you are, but they are your fault. They're part of your personality, and it makes you a bad person in some way, like to 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 do this. Uh-huh. And at MIT, to to say that these things are temporary. Then it means that, like, you know, if you have problems and they last for longer than a semester or two semesters or, you know, you have depression that lasts for longer than, like, you know, a particularly hard semester or whatever, then the question changes from, like, man, MIT is terrible to what's wrong with you. So it is really not – it's not that much more helpful. So it also means that, like, 
support for this kind of stuff is never going to be long term in the kind of way that you like someone like me would want it to be. Mm-hmm. Like there's there's never really going to be that much like active support for you mm-hmm. um, if you have long term mental health issues because like MIT doesn't care about long term mental health issues, or at least doesn't or at least doesn't seem to within like, the things within the things that it's outwardly done. When I when I say yeah. MIT doesn't care, there are obviously people who care, right? I think SQ right, cares. Course. Yeah. Right, the student support services care, like mm-hmm. they know MIT Medical, right? But like they're not the administration, and the administration sure as hell doesn't give a shit. So, right. what are you gonna do? Yeah, it's it's all it's all within the sphere that you're working in. If you have somebody that is willing to advocate for you, then then you then you have a leg up. But if you don't, based on even the issues that you have, then it can be end up being a very difficult time for you. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Um, it's a thing to think about, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, there are, there are people who say, uh, you know, you shouldn't come here or people at MIT, you know, like maybe MIT shouldn't take people who have mental health issues, right? And there's like a deal of problems with having that perspective. But like there is. I'll just bring up a couple of things. Like one, like you can come to MIT and be perfectly unaware that you have a mental health issue and then find out later, right? Yeah. And I, I know people who that happens to them, right? Mm-hmm. Like you can have like serious depression problems or ADHD or anything like that. And it just didn't become apparent to you because high school never challenged you enough right. to put you in a position where those things came to light mm-hmm. in a way that really, like, ran over your life. Right. Um, that made you apparent, like, this isn't normal. Like, you have to go talk to people. Now that you have, like, less inbuilt support and that you're having to deal with stuff on your own, yeah. Right. And, mm-hmm. I mean, it's MIT, you know, like, I mean, yeah. there are people with ADHD who are very smart who go to college and do fine in college because, like... Where they go does not challenge them enough right. to actually make them, like, you know, say, like, oh, my God, like, you know, mm. I'm bombing out or something like that because it mm. just doesn't force them in that position. There are people who go to graduate school and then discover they have ADHD. Right. There are people who, like, you know, graduate from college and then, you know, they start working and that's when they start having problems, right? Mm-hmm. When they're expected to have, like, a regular schedule and there's not a lot of room to fuck up with that mm-hmm. or they're doing things that have like very big consequences for like a company or something like that and the company will have very little humor if you lose ten thousand dollars because exactly. you forgot a thing or something uh-huh. right um so it it isn't a thing where like people just like come built in knowing if they have mental health issues mm-hmm. right and second of all like these things determine your future in a lot of ways, mm-hmm. right? Like, going to MIT is a huge leg up for people, right? Yes. Um, like, for me, it was, like, a huge thing. And the thing is that, like, if you're pretty – so if you if you are in a low-income bracket, you either go to a high-up high school that can pay for all your financial aid mm-hmm. or you go to community college or something. There right. is no in-between. Right. Because, like – Because you can't pay for that. Yeah, schools yeah. in the middle uh-huh. will not pay for everything. Yeah, like, and you can't cover the difference. You cannot cover the difference. Mm-hmm. You you're not going to take those loans. Right. Like and you know like there's there's nothing you can do about it, right? Like mm-hmm. you, you either go to a super high up place or you go to like community college and like those the, the difference is huge. The difference yes, matters a lot. And um you know, I mean, like, what if you have a mental health problem and you want to do something like going to academia or, you know, like, whatever? Like, look, there are people who have mental, mental health problems. Mental health in academia also is, like, a very interesting thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are plenty of people with mental health issues in academia, okay? Right. And, like, some of these people were people who made incredible discoveries, mm-hmm. you know, like Tesla or, you know, like, I don't know. I could throw out, like, lots of names, right? But mm-hmm. the, the point is that, like, um, 
mental health issues are you can work around them and they don't actually impact the things that like maybe you want to measure from people it just means that like people need to work around you and it's really not that hard for an institution like MIT that has billions of dollars to figure out a way to do this Mm. or to like throw a couple of those millions of dollars more at you know maybe like the people who know how to deal with this Mm. um as opposed to just you know talking like we need to deal with this issue and then like not doing anything or Mm. you know running like I mean, it's really more of, like, a show than anything, right? Right like, now. You know, yeah. like, right now, like, the whole, like, we care about you and sending banners to places, like, that doesn't say shit to, like, the individual people who are, like, having these problems. Mm-hmm. Like, and in fact, like, I mean, I have, you know, like, a group of friends who, like, you know, have these kinds of lasting issues um, that, that I talk to on a regular, and I don't know a single one of them who, like, believes that any of this will lead to any sort of, like, long-lasting change mm-hmm. in any way, nor do they even really care about, like, what is what is happening here. Mm-hmm. And in fact, like, there's some of the people who are, like, least bothered by this, I think, um, mm-hmm. because, like, a lot of people just really disquieted them, and they were, like, really, really, uh, really bothered about this, okay? They were really bothered about this, and, you know, a lot of things got postponed, a lot of yeah. PSATs and tests became optional, or, like, you know, uh, were changed, or were, you know, pushed back. And, I mean, look, I think that those people who are well, let me put it this way. Like, people who had been used to dealing with this for a long time at MIT, they didn't really... It wasn't that they didn't really care, but it was more like, yeah, this is MIT. Like, I don't, I don't know if you expected anything different. It's sort of like a very jaded attitude. Yeah, there's, um, I think there's problems with that. And, yeah, and I, I think that... I think that um, it's kind of, Yeah, it's a problem that like people who have these lasting problems like are discouraged by things like this yeah. to do anything here. Mm. rather than encouraged. encouraged yeah the people who you know have more personal experience with this they see this and they see the initial action and they think like oh it's more of the same mm-hmm. nothing is going to change and then you don't do anything and then nothing changes so there's a lot of problems to suss out here um but i'm gonna leave it at that yeah yeah i think i think i think the bottom line is that I think MIT can MIT like as an institution can do more through better funding, better allocation, all that kind of stuff. But I think also that um, the people, like the student body, can do a little more. Um, just maybe like more like on a day to day basis to just make people. I mean, feel it's less, it's hard because people yeah, don't even like know that. what what yeah, they can or should hard. do. But you can edu- you can educate yourself. I, th- I think. I, I really think that the bigger problem is the, is the institutional yeah. stuff because, mm-hmm. like, with a lot of this stuff, it's really up to you because other yeah. people can't do much for you. Mm-hmm. Like, when, you know, I'm having trouble with sleeping and things like that, there's only so much I can ask other people to do for me that, like, right. is reasonable, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I can't ask someone to wake me up every day at the same time, yeah. right? Like, that's kind of unreasonable to ask somebody mm-hmm. to do that when they're as busy as they are at MIT, Right. Right. Like I can't ask every person who has a mental illness to spend like a whole bunch of time advocating for themselves and others because that's not one that shouldn't really be your responsibility Mm -hmm. just because you are a member of a certain like group to spend all of your time advocating for that group because there are other things that are important and you should be allowed to decide. Yeah. Um, But I also think that like in general, like the slack is largely on the side of administration and the institutional things that need to get Mm. done. Yeah. to uh, make sure that there is a place for these people to speak, that there is a place for you to go when you're having these sorts of long-standing problems yeah. Yeah, and that you feel like that. you'll be listened mm-hmm. to or that, like, you know, things things will happen and people will help you with the problems that you are having mm-hmm. and understand that, like, you know, these are actual problems that you're having, right? Because, like, there are no accommodations for 
you know, a class that requires attendance, but you tend to sleep through it. Right. Like, there, there's no accommodations that MIT offers for that, and I think that MIT would almost never offer accommodations because people would get super butthurt. I mean, people already get butthurt. And right. I use butthurt because I think that people are not justified in, like, being angry about this. And if you disagree, you can fight me in real life. <laughs> I'm going to take that position very clearly. Um, but there will be people who will get very angry about, like, offering these accommodations, just like there are people who get angry about time and a half and things like that. Right. So. Yeah. Yeah, and I think I think what I took out of some of that was that, like, it helps, it helps to know you're not alone. Yeah. Yeah, and if there's anything that, you know, listening to this, you know, may have taught you, whether, like, you're dealing with depression because, you know, you're getting wrecked this semester, which, believe me, a lot of people are, or, you know, you have some sort of thing, like a disorder, or, you know, some sort of thing that other people don't understand, you don't feel like you can talk to them about, like, know that you're not alone in that. A lot of people are dealing with that, and no, it isn't equal between different people. It really isn't. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's that's all. Yeah, that's so, that's our t- that's our take on this. I'm Everett. I'm Stan. This hit was us, six fifths. Hit us back up at six fifths at mit.edu. Send us your thoughts, and we'll get this up. And uh, yeah, that's it. Yeah. Cue the sting. Uh,